0: Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, live from Stowe, Vermont. Uh, I'm up here for a mastermind event, but didn't want to miss our office hours live stream if possible, uh, so I was able to make sure that we had good enough internet to get to it. Uh, but I'm up here for a mastermind event. I'm a member of GoBundance, um, which if you are not familiar, is a, uh, a men's masterminding group. Uh, a lot of the members are in real estate, multifamily, and, and some are in commercial, a lot through syndication. So it's a uh, it's a great time for me to get up here and network with other people that are in the industry and learn their best practices. I get asked all the time if I know of any commercial real estate masterminds that are out there, and i I usually don't. and this is about as close as I can get because uh, there are actually other people that are syndicating, doing high level real estate. And uh, like I said, it's just a great way to learn from other people what they're doing, what is working, what is not, so that you don't necessarily have to be the one to put your hand on the stove. Highly recommend joining groups like that, uh, whether you can join something like Abundance or you know join a local real estate investors meetup uh, and, and learn best practices. This is another episode of our office hours. So if you have any questions on commercial real estate, that is what we are here for today. I want to hear your questions. You know what's, What are you struggling with right now? What could I help you with uh, You know, when it comes to getting your first property or buying your next property? Maybe you're struggling with some underwriting and we want to talk through that. Uh, let's dive into it. Next week, I uh, wanted to give you all a heads up. Actually, one of my coaching clients, uh, Alec, is going to be jumping on with us and we're going to be walking through and evaluating a deal with him. So he'll be going live with me, we'll be talking through the deal, showing you all some um, hopefully, some photos, surveys, etc, on the project to talk through what the highest and best use for it might be. Uh, so if you ever have a project that you are working on and maybe you can't afford coaching or you can't afford you know one-on one phone calls with me, uh, that is what this is for. That's what office hours is for. It is the the free coaching that I'm able to give. Uh, so have a couple of topics we want to talk about today. Um, you know, over the past week, it's been good. Uh, really just working on getting the, uh, the brokers at my brokers team at the cobble group, everything that they need to kick the year off to a great start. They've already closed a handful of deals, which is really exciting. Cause as you all know, I was out on sabbatical until basically the 21st, 22nd, uh, because of the snowstorms that were in Nashville I was supposed to be back in the 15th, but they kept rocking and rolling without me, which is always fun to see. Uh, let's see. Escaping the neon saying, good morning, Tyler. Thanks for doing the office hours. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Love uh love you all jumping in and and making this conversation. Shane is saying thanks for taking the time to make these calls. Happy to do it. Let's hear y'all's questions. Um, and and, and you know, let's see how I can help you guys get started in commercial real estate. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about this morning is leasing. I I get that question all of the time when it comes to Uh, you know, buying commercial property, especially on the beginner side, like, how do I, how do I find tenants? You know, a lot of people get scared of buying their first commercial property because they, they might be able to, you know, find a good deal, right? It, it, all the numbers pencil. Uh, they might be able to pull all of the cash together to do it. But the one thing that scares them is often, how am I going to find a tenant that is actually going to take this property? Residential is pretty straightforward. Multifamily is pretty straightforward. You just throw it on, you know, apartments.com or Craigslist or Zillow, you'll typically find a tenant pretty quickly. And, you know, that that's definitely a con in the commercial real estate world. It is a little more difficult to find tenants. But I would argue that the pro is that you're typically going to have better profit margins, right? Especially if you're going with more of a triple net lease structure, because the tenants will be paying for their pro rata share of the property taxes, the common area maintenance, and the property insurance, which as a residential or multifamily landlord, you are having to cover that yourself. So it's often kind of worth waiting to find the right tenant in commercial. The other thing is too, is a lot of commercial tenants will end up signing long-term leases. You know, We've got three, five, 10 plus year leases in some cases with annual rental increases in the lease. So even though I'm not having to renew the lease every year, the rental rate will continue to go up, three to five percent per year, and you can kind of set it and forget it, right? The thing that I I never really liked about single family um, or multifamily is that those leases tend to turn over every year, right? And and you may have some tenants that want to stay for a long time. That's that's you know that happens, right? I mean, I've got buddies that have had tenants that have stayed in their properties for four or five years. They just they love the house. They wanted to keep renewing and they renewed every year but that's a question you got to worry about every year. And I just, I prefer not to do that. So let's talk about finding tenants for commercial properties. I mean, hands down the best way for you to go out and do it, especially if you're first getting started is to find the right leasing team that can handle the property for you. There's multiple reasons for that. One, they are already actively out in the market. So chances are good that they already know the tenants that are looking for properties like yours. Two, they're going to be doing everything else we're going to talk about today, uh, so you might as well let them do it, and you don't have to pay them until they actually get you a successful lease, fully executed. You know, rent, uh, first month's rent paid, security deposit paid. So you're not having to come out of pocket too much uh, in order to pay their fees, typically in the four to six percent of the gross lease amount range. Uh, the other thing is they they understand the market and they know how to negotiate these deals. So chances are, are pretty good that if you have the right leasing team, you will actually be able to negotiate a better deal than you probably could on your own just because of some little nuance, right? I mean, they may know that, uh, you know, tenants are willing to pay $2 a square foot extra because uh, you painted the outside of the space. And while that might end up being a wash over the five-year term because of the amount of money you have to spend on, uh, you know, painting the building... It actually increases the value of the property. So there's little things like that that a really good leasing team can help you with. Um, it, it makes a world of difference when you're working with professionals like that. And I think especially for your first one, you know, hire a professional, let them, um, them kind of walk you through the process so you can learn it from their perspective. Make sure that you have weekly or every other week check-ins with them uh, it's it's not the same as in residential, where you can expect some sort of major updates every week. Sometimes it takes a little time, uh, but it's important to look at absorption rates in your market. So ask your brokers that. How long do you think it's going to take a tenant to sign a lease on this space? Do you have absorption rates for similar product in this market? They should be able to tell you. You know, hey, it it you know on average in this market for a space like this, it typically takes around three to six months for us to find a tenant uh, that you know you're going to be happy with course, they know how to to check in all of their financials and all of the right things to do to make sure that you're getting a good tenant. So how do you find a good leasing team? Well, there's a couple different ways. One, drive the neighborhood within which your property is located and look at who has four lease signs on commercial buildings. It may seem a little funny to go out and hire somebody to rent your, you know, to lease your building that is also got a building listed right down the street. But the thing is, they're going to be getting calls on that property. They probably already have a list of people that have called on that property where that building didn't work for them. So chances are they could just sit down and start calling all of those tenants back and saying, hey, I've got a new property listed right down the street that actually checks all your boxes. Come take a look at it. That's pretty good. They also are familiar with the neighborhood. They know most of the businesses in that area because they've been working in that area. And so it actually makes it a lot easier that's why like when i started my commercial real estate brokerage we focused on east nashville we didn't focus on an asset type you know it wasn't like office or retail or industrial we went for anything within east nashville and we were very very conscientious to get to know almost every single business in the neighborhood and that made leasing substantially easier because we just created a list of every single business we had ever talked to that was interested in leasing in east nashville so every time we got a new listing, they got an email blast, they got a phone call, and it typically allowed us to get these leases signed much faster than than is average in the market. The other thing that you could do is, is sit down and put a list together of what you believe are gonna be the ideal businesses for your space. And of course, if, if you wanna know how to do that, we can talk about that as well. But let's say you're you're looking in the area and you notice that there's no coffee shops right? And you think that your space is perfect for a coffee shop. I would make a list of every coffee shop within a 30-mile radius and go drop in. Call them, leave flyers uh, at at the cafe or coffee shop, and send them emails. Go onto their website. Do some direct outreach as an owner. Those are sometimes the best deals that you can ever get because there are plenty of businesses that are out there that are not necessarily actively looking for space, but if the right opportunity came their way, they would absolutely sign a lease. I actually got a couple of buddies that own a coffee shop in Nashville, and that's how they've done a couple of their expansion opportunities. Somebody approached them and said, hey, we think you would be a perfect fit for our shopping center or our hotel or, you know, whatever it was. Here's why, you know, we would love to walk you through the space. And they went and took a look and ended up doing one of those deals. So, uh, it, it happens more often than you think. Uh, a lot of business owners are constantly thinking about what that next step is, and it allows you to really negotiate good terms uh, that work for both of you. Um, so that's uh, that's one way to do it. Of course, I love sending out mailers. You can typically go get what's called a NAICS code, N-A-I-C-S code. Uh, you may have to pay for these lists, uh, but that's a federally designated code for specific businesses. So you could actually go in to the next code and pull every single coffee shop under their code within the state of Tennessee. And you'll get their information, you'll be able to send them letters and, and start you know target like target marketing them that way. Of course, you do advertisements as well. Um, I have not found Facebook ads to be all that great for this. But Facebook Marketplace can sometimes be pretty surprising. You'll probably get a fair amount of garbage tenants out of that. It depends on what kind of um, you know, business you're trying to lease to. But you can get some pretty good leads that way, and Facebook Marketplace is free. So there's a few ways to do it. Uh, uh, the one thing I would say is just don't let the leasing side of things intimidate you from getting started in commercial real estate. Because it's it's not as difficult as it seems. I know it's new, it's foreign, it's not a process that you've gone through before, so it may seem a little weird or strange uh, or just a big unknown for your deal. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's really not as difficult as a lot of people make it out to be. All right, let's see. Shane is saying I have a subjective question. I've reached out to a few brokers locally, and am being told that the property types I'm looking for are right. Uh, right now, are not really viable in the market. Industrial warehousing. Um, so Shane, tell me a little bit more about what you are looking for um, when it comes to industrial warehousing. Are you looking to to buy? Uh, I mean, I would assume you're looking to buy. Um, let's talk about you know the the price per square foot that you're looking for, uh, the type of buildings you're looking for. If you can drop that in the comments, ten okay, so ten thousand to thirty thousand square feet, and are you looking for buildings that have tenants in place already? Or are you looking, okay, $200 per square foot. I mean, that's a pretty good price for a rehab. So are they just saying that there's nothing available right now? Like that price, that that size range. Sure. That's pretty common. That price per square foot that works. There's just nothing available right now. Yep. Okay. He's saying correct. So I would say. Uh, if you're, if you're talking to brokers that are saying, oh yeah, that's, that's not really available, but they're not saying, but here's how we will approach this deal. We'll go, you know, start targeting every building that's 10 to 30,000 square feet, that's off market with mailers, door knocking and cold calls. They're probably not the right brokerage team to be working with. Um, yeah, he's saying they have too many clients looking for the same. Can't help me look. Okay. So that's, that's not an uncommon problem. A lot of people getting started in commercial real estate and even if you're you know established in commercial real estate, but you're moving into a new market where you don't have pre-existing relationships. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that's a pretty common common issue. so let's talk about it. Um, I would call multiple brokerage firms and I'm biased, of course, because I own a boutique commercial real estate brokerage, but I would call the boutique commercial real estate brokerages in your market. Go for the smaller teams. They, you know, not the, not the national groups, the smaller teams tend to be a little bit hungrier. They'll make a higher commission split on every deal that they do. So every deal is worth, is more worth them working on than you will typically find with a broker at a national firm. And I would tell, you know, kind of just talk through with them of like, Hey, look, you know, if you guys can help me find a deal off market, I mean, here's, here's, I'm a good buyer. I've got the cash. Uh, I've already talked to the bank. I mean you can't really get pre-approvals in commercial real estate but you can get um, you know your bank lender on board with you know kind of what you're looking for and tell them like guys you know I want you to find me a deal off market you know 10 to 30,000 feet. They should be able <clears throat> to go into the tax records, pull every industrially zoned building between 10,000 and 30,000 square feet and start hitting them up with mailers, cold calls and door knocking. Uh, don't be afraid to go to younger brokers when it comes to this. They may not be as experienced when it comes to commercial real estate overall, but they can. Um, they are. They need the deal, right? They would love to work on an assignment like this, and it's probably going to be one of the only deals that they're actually working on, especially of that size, right? Because if you're, if you're talking about two hundred dollars a square foot at thirty thousand square feet, I mean that's a pretty big number. What is that? Six million? So I mean that's a that's worth working on. Um, So, you know, I would tell, I would just have those frank conversations with the brokers, make sure that you're working with the right team. Um, As far as, okay, so Shane's saying, uh, I was a little concerned about stepping on toes, going to too many firms and burning my reputation. So when you're first getting started, uh, I would talk to every single commercial real estate broker in your market, tell them what you're looking for. And you don't necessarily need to sign an exclusive right off the bat but treat them as interviews, right? Hey, here's what I'm looking for. You know, one, is that possible in this market? Two, if, you know, if I were to pick you as my exclusive commercial real estate broker to help me find this, what would your process be? How would you go about finding me those deals? And, and ask it that way, right? Because then they're going to say, oh, okay, this person's willing to sign an exclusive representation with me to allow me to go put in all the work that I need to And there could be future potential with this client. So this is a relationship that I want to work on and go find these deals. The thing is, the right commercial real estate broker is going to want to do that anyway, right? Because just by having you as a client that wants to look at these deals, they have an excuse to call every single one of these buildings in their market, whether it's going to be a fit for you or not. You know, It might be a 15,000 square foot fully leased building that they end up calling on. They might be able to list that and sell it on you know, a cap rate basis, right? But it gives them an end with the sellers to say, hey, I've got a buyer that is actively looking for these deals. Are you looking to sell? Um, so I, I wouldn't be concerned about stepping on any toes when you're first getting started. Uh, you want to get to know brokers, right? And it never hurts to have every broker in the market know exactly what you're looking for. Though at some point, I would consider if somebody's willing to put all of that work in on the front end to help you find a deal, signing an exclusive representation uh, deal with them. Let's see. Andrew Choi is saying, is there a way to value a land? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, valuing raw land is is relatively easy. Uh, Typically, you can just go into the tax records and look at comparable properties. You know, if you're looking at like a five-acre site, I would typically go and pull anything within, you know, um, it, it depends on your market, right? I mean, a one mile radius may be plenty, but it, you might need to go to a 10 mile radius. <clears throat> Look at anything that's that's between, you know, three and seven acres that has a similar zoning uh, within that, you know, one to 10 mile radius and figure out what the price per acre is for those properties. And you just apply that price per acre to your land. And that's how you'll be able to, sorry guys, I'm losing my voice, uh, to determine the price per acre uh, of of land that you're looking at. <clears throat> All right, Ben D. College graduate, minimal capital, looking for work in commercial real estate field. Licensed already, thinking about getting commercial real estate sales job to breach the industry. <clears throat> I think getting started as a commercial real estate broker, uh, if you can get a junior rep, uh, job um, with a either a boutique or a national firm It'd be a great way to break into it. Um, you know, don't be afraid to go for an internship. I know you're a college graduate, but commercial real estate brokerages are notoriously tough uh, to get a foot in the door. So I would say um, anything you can do to start building a relationship and and get that first job. Once you <clears throat> once you actually have a job in commercial real estate and you have kind of a track record of working on these deals. It's a lot easier for you to move up in the industry, um, or to to get the next you know gig if you really want to move on. Um, so I would say, yeah, you know, if you've got your license, go for brokerage. I mean, that is the that's what I did, right? I mean, I was I, I dropped out of college after my freshman year, moved back, got my real estate license, and got a job leasing properties. And uh, you could take the route that I did. I mean, I, I worked for a boutique development firm that had a portfolio of real estate. Right. So it wasn't necessarily commercial real estate brokerage, but they owned you know a bunch of properties that they wanted somebody in-house to solely focus on those. So I was commission only and they had nothing to lose. Right. They'd been working with national firms for a while and nobody was getting any leases signed because they felt like they weren't getting enough ten- attention. So, I mean, that could be your pitch to some local developers um, or investors that might have a portfolio of properties. It's like, Hey, look, I'm going to come be your in-house guy. I will spend the first year, two years, whatever that is, solely focusing on your assets so that we can get them leased up, you know, get them, you know, running ship shape. And then I'll start taking on some third-party work, but I'll always continue to keep your portfolio as my anchor. A lot of developers, uh, you know, might actually like that because it means you'll you'll probably be in the office with them just about every day, which means that they can, you know, talk to you about what they want to see, what they need. Um, They could easily get reporting from you, see the activity that you're doing, and you'll also be able to learn from them. So there's a couple of approaches for you there. Looks like second channel, we had another question on how do I break into CRE with no experience? Kind of going back to like what I said earlier, I mean, uh, getting your real estate license is a great way to start. Anything you can do to learn about the industry will give you a major leg up. And I would make sure to highlight that somehow in your resume. Um, or your job application. The biggest issue that a lot of commercial real estate brokerages have with hiring uh, new agents is that the learning curve is so steep, it can be really tough to deal with new agents because it just, it takes three to five years, even if you know what you're doing to really start closing a lot of deals, right? And it's because of the learning curve. So anything that you can do, any, you know, if you can watch all of, You know, the YouTube videos on commercial real estate, listen to every podcast on commercial real estate, read as many books as you can. Maybe start taking some CCIM classes or taking some sort of commercial real estate investing courses, something like that to help you understand how the market works a little bit better. And then highlight that in your education. Like, look, yes, I have no experience in commercial real estate, but I already know how commercial real estate, you know, works because of X, Y, and Z and I would love to you know, further discuss this with you. Once they sit down and start asking you questions, what does triple net mean? How would you go about finding a tenant? You know, What do you think your day-to-day would look like? You'll have really good answers for all of those. And even though you're new, they know that they're not gonna have to completely start from ground zero with your education, which makes it a lot easier on them. Because a lot of commercial real estate brokers are running at 100 miles an hour. There's a lot of big deals that they gotta focus on. And they would love to have junior agents, right? Because there's plenty of deals that that you know I used to get back when I was brokering, you know that would be like thousand, two thousand square feet that are smaller deals, but they would still be two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars deals that you know you don't really want to turn away because that's good money. But at the same time, I've got to go focus on a you know eighteen million dollar deal that I'm working on for a client. I can't really spend time on a three hundred thousand dollar deal, and those are great ways for junior brokers to learn. So a senior broker will typically just hand those deals to their junior. And let them kind of run with it. So that'd be a good way to do it. Escaping the neon said, just one of those out there, I'm a new agent, four months working on creative ways to get customers. Would you ever want to collab with a new agent on YouTube? I want to document the journey. Uh, yeah, sure. Would be happy to do it. Maybe we could get you in for a live stream and we could do, you know, like my first six months as a commercial real estate broker. Like it'd be cool for everybody to hear from somebody, you know, how you got into it. Uh, what your first 30 days looked like, what you're working on now. So yeah, escaping the neon, shoot me a DM on Instagram at commercial in Nashville. And uh, let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. Shane saying, is the exclusive only for the current property being sought? Yes. So, so this is going back earlier to working with uh, commercial real estate brokers exclusively. Yes. You could call that out in the uh, exclusive representation agreement, that they are exclusively, you know, representing you on the search for ten to thirty thousand square foot industrial buildings in Nashville, Tennessee, right? So, I mean, you can get kind of as specific as you want um, with those. Frank Wright, good morning, morning Frank. Uh, you mentioned focusing on the ESG niche in a previous video. Having lead and well AP, I'm looking to get into the commercial space. Do you have any insight on trends and projects in the ESG niche? So Frank, I am not as good on ESG as I want to be. So it's something that I'm working on. Uh, it's a relatively not relatively new, but I would say it's relatively new um, trend in the commercial real estate world. And it's also kind of one of those things that like ESG is almost reserved for the biggest development firms out there or the biggest pro- the bigger projects because it's it's often cost prohibitive on smaller scale deals. And typically I'm doing more neighborhood, smaller scale commercial. Uh, We do have a couple of other larger projects, but those are are kind of the exception. So I would say uh, if you want any insight on trends and projects that are going on in ESG, check out the Urban Land Institute, ULI. I think their website's uli.org. They are big on ESG. They're tracking a lot of ESG projects, uh, and they they write a lot of articles on trends um, in the industry when it comes to them. Um, so I would uh, I would definitely dig into uh, ULI. Uh, he's looking for insight in the southeast. So yeah, I mean you could you could actually switch it up by region and go through and look at articles, videos. They have conferences on it, um, and and some of them I would imagine are also virtual. So that'd be a great thing to, to check out. <clears throat> Richard Cards is saying if I may chime in as a boutique broker, it would definitely help if Shane has some criteria aside from the two hundred dollars per square foot and 10,000 plus square footage especially geographical. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure Shane um, has some uh, some restrictions like that. But yeah, when you're when you're going and pitching to commercial real estate brokers, you really want to have a very specific buy box. Because if you come to me and you say, "I'll buy anything between 10,000 and 30,000 square feet." Like as a broker I go, "Okay, that's great. You know, I'll I'll put your name down." But if you come to me and you say, "I want to buy between 10,000 and 30,000 square feet." you know, within these three zip codes uh, on a major corridor that you I mean, you're probably not going to find an industrial building like that on a major corridor, but bear with me, um, you know, that, you know, has been built since the 1980s and is single story. And I'm like, oh man, that's really, really specific. Uh, this, this guy clearly knows what he's looking for and has probably done this before. And it's going to make my search that much easier so that if I do find a building chances are good. It's probably going to check all of, all of Shane's boxes. Uh, Ben said, I interned with one locally last summer, but I don't want to live at home. Want to get out of my hometown city. Well, I mean, that's great. It it sounds like you've already got some experience in commercial real estate on your resume. I would just start sending out that resume to whatever cities you want to go to. It's going to be tough uh, because, you know, a lot of commercial real estate brokers just don't necessarily want to hire somebody that's not local because obviously a fair amount of what you're going to be doing is, is, hyper-localized, uh, but it's not impossible. Uh, it's it's certainly feasible for you to go about doing that. I would just start doing everything you can to build relationships with these firms. Maybe start following some of the brokers on Instagram or Twitter and LinkedIn and actually interacting with them, posting on other things, leaving good insights, asking good questions. They'll start to notice you and then you can kind of start building a relationship with them from there. How's is saying, what, what's up, Tyler? Looking to build flex space with my investment group. How do we go about getting the right estimates from vendors for the project so we can see if it's viable or not? That's a great question. Uh, so the tough part is you've got to have a full set of plans pulled together, like very detailed in order for a contractor to get you the right number. Um, what you could do if you don't want to, you know, just put a full set of plans together for a project that you don't even know if it's viable yet, is start talking to contractors and ask them, you know, hey, we're looking at building some flex buildings. Are you doing any of those? Great. Okay, yes, you are. Can I come out and take a look at some of the projects that you guys have going on? Typically, contractors are going to be okay with that, right? They, they see that as a, a relatively easy way to show you how good their product is, how their job sites work, and what they have going on, what their expertise, what their skills are. And you can kind of see, like, oh, okay, yeah, this is very similar to the building that I want to build. What is, you know, a ballpark price per square foot to build this type of product? And I always say, and look, I know it's ballpark. I'm not going to hold you to it. This is not a bed. I just want to know a general range for my underwriting, so that when we're looking at deals, I know, okay, we're going to be, you know, somewhere between 150 and 175 dollars a square foot, right? Or you know, 150 and 200 dollars a foot, whatever that is. Uh, knowing that <clears throat> there's so many little nuances that could go into each individual building uh, and site that could change that price. Right. I mean, you might have to excavate a lot of rock on a site, whereas they weren't doing it on the other one. So your prices will be a little bit higher, but that can start to help you get an idea of, of what that might look like. Um, at least so that you can start underwriting it. Let's see. KW say, good morning, Tyler. I watched your videos on the wash. Would you have considered mixed use, the wash first story office residential above if site restrictions weren't an issue or on a larger parcel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we actually had that ability. We could have done, uh, I think, three stories on that property, but it just wasn't worth the headache to us because we didn't have any parking, right? And although there is no parking required, there is a you know parking requirement by the market right? So if we had a bunch of apartments there with, you know, a restaurant and parking is getting taken on the street by, you know, tenants in the restaurant and the residents in the apartment don't have parking, it wouldn't be an ideal living situation for a lot of them. They they would get frustrated not being able to park close to their, you know, apartment, especially if you've got like groceries or something like that, right? So uh, yes, like on round, you know, on on the wash 2.0, um, which we have never been able to actually make work, uh, which is funny. I mean, we've looked at so many sites. I can't make a pencil anywhere else. Uh, we, we have considered going two and three story and, and doing something like that. Uh, I think anything mixed use, no matter how big or small it is, is a great move. It's a great way to diversify your investment. It's a great way to diversify the tenants coming to the building. And, you know, restaurants love to lease spaces where they know, you know, there's a bunch of built-in customers right upstairs. So we love that. So there you have it for this week's office hours. Thank you all for joining me live. Love the questions. Keep them coming. Next week, we're going to be going live with Alec, diving into a project that he is working on. So you guys will get to see how I evaluate deals. And if you have a deal that you want evaluated, or you want something that you want to, you know, go live with me, uh, or, you know, you could just send me, you know, PDFs or surveys or whatever, for me to kind of share on the screen and and walk through. Happy to do it. Would love to do it. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Y'all enjoy it.